Welcome to the MF Gamers Game of the Year podcast for 2017. First up is Ben to talk about Nier Automata. I'd never played the original Nier back in the day. I'd, I'd obviously heard people talk about it and it got mentioned in kind of hushed tones and it's a very obscure thing, but it always came with these massive caveats of it's not a great game and it's, it's got its problems and so on and so on. But then people, oh my, you need to do it and you need to do the second playthrough and... and I always wanted to, and I, I I bought it. I picked it up a few years back, and I, I started it. And for whatever reason, I think it's just bad timing that it was towards the end of the uh, of regularly playing my PS3. So it was a few, you know, it was a couple of years ago, and it's probably still may even still be in the machine, may still be in the PlayStation. And, and it's one of those games that you always think, no, I'll go back to. Yeah, I'll definitely go back to. In the same way, I'm going to go back to Persona 4 and finish that one day on the PS2 and Persona 3. I, I just never will. But near, I kind of, I want to, I really wish the PS4 was backwards compatible in the way that the Xbox One is, just so I could I could play near and force my way through it, if that's what I have to do. Because it sounds so interesting in this, um, the ties between near and Drakengard, I'm never going to go back and play the old Drakengard games, but I kind of want to. I kind of wish I knew someone who, who was playing through them, so I could just watch them go through, like if I, you know, living with someone who was playing through it because I, I don't know how those games play and I think that's like one of the, the better things with Nier is I was kind of going into it blind but I knew it was it suddenly looked different obviously it looked like a platinum game or it looked like it played like a platinum game so yeah playing through it as this in terms of the story and tone in the world having no idea and it seemingly doesn't matter but the bits and pieces that you know of it or when you hear people talk about it after the fact you listen to spoiler cast or whatever where people are talking about, oh, you know that character? Yeah, let me tell you about them. And it turns out this whole game world is is there. It's just this epic, huge story that you're just seeing the epilogue of. Like you're not like you haven't seen the the main story. That was two generations ago. I'd love to go back to it, but I don't know that the, I don't know that I've got the time or the effort in me to, to stick with what may or may not be uh, particularly good games. Certainly the original Nier I would like to one day have the time to go back to, but short of just winning the lottery or becoming unemployed or, or something, there's, I don't see how I would ever have the time to do it. Nier Automata, I think everyone kind of has the same experience with in that it starts off, and you've heard probably heard good things about it, and I played the demo and it the demo's just this first, it's not quite the very first section of the game, but it, it almost is, and it's, it's very platinum. It's bullet time, it's dodging, you know, as an attack comes in, you dodge it at the right time, it's character action, it's, it's Bayonetta, it's the thing they do over and over and over and they've put it in Metal Gear, they've put it in Transformers, they've put it in an RPG now, and, and it's it's very, very familiar, but it's it's not a bad thing, you know, it's, it's what they do and it's, it's, it's really good when it works. And I was playing it, I was thinking maybe this is my limit with with this. I, I like it, but you know, it'd be nice if they did something interesting, but something different rather than just go to this this well over and over and over. And I, I think the demo gave a really bad, not a bad first impression of the game, so I enjoyed it. It was certainly better than I expected it to be, but it's a false idea of what the game is. It, it feels like this linear action game. And it is still fairly linear, but it is, it is an RPG, and that really surprised me. And it takes a while to get to that point where you sort of realise, oh, this is a proper RPG. This is, you know, every inch the, the RPG is without a, a standard levelling system. Though it does have levelling, it just... The powering system or power-up system is is these chips that you get. So essentially, it's um, if you've ever 
anyone listening's ever messed with. If you've got a PC and you've got certain games, Batman does it, and um, I forget, there's something I played recently that does it. It shows your VRAM, and so you, as you turn things on, it's like, okay, no, a little bit more VRAM used, a little bit more VRAM used. That's how it works. You've got essentially uh, capacity and using this plugin and this plugin and this plugin will we'll fill it up. And, and so it's stuff like um, plus four to attack, plus four to your shot damage, speed of movement and things like that. And you have to pick and choose as you, as you start the game. And eventually you're earning more chips, currency, I guess, to buy slots so you can, you can install extra space. And as you're finding better items in the world, it is like a plus three version of the attack chip, which is maybe using less power less consumption but giving you more attack and you get like special versions of those with extra bonus stuff and stuff and that's that's how you um, essentially become stronger in the game and, and level up as such but feel that progression and it takes a long time before you realize uh, when I've, I've gone back and looked at what I've said about the game before and, and what I've written about near that one of my complaints was how long it takes to get through the game world and how much of a chore it was by the end of the game, I wasn't teleporting. I, there is eventually a, a, a way to do that, so you can just teleport between areas, certain areas. I was just sprinting and getting there in not no time at all, but my character was moving so much faster than she was or he was at the start of the game, and like that sort of progression. I, I like that when you don't realise that you've got how much you've improved and how much more powerful you are. Um, so Nier does the RPG thing of that progression and this slow build, quiet build. It does that really, really well. It is an RPG, and I think that that's sort of the essence of it in terms of in terms of the quality. The other thing that, that people, well, the the thing everyone sort of experiences is, for the first part of that game, you're kind of going, yeah, it's all right. It's it's decent. It's it's a good game. It's not anything special. It's not it's not a game of the year or anything. Why would someone pick it as game of the year? But it actually it is. It just is, and it's as you go through and it's like. Uh, chapter, it's, it should really be called chapters rather than, oh, I guess it's called roots, but people talk about it as endings, and they're not endings, it's just, this is episode one, this is episode two, this is episode three, and episode two takes place slightly before and slightly after oh, quite a lot after um, it's a continuation of, of chapter one, episode one, I guess, and so on and so on, so the full thing is the game, it's not like you're retreading old ground over and over, it's not seeing the same fight from multiple angles, that does happen but not that often and so that was something that put me off, and it, I think it put a lot of people off hearing that the game happened to be played like this. And it's not what the game is; it's not what Near is, or Near Automata, anyway. The other Near might be. And so it, a lot of people seem to have the same sort of feelings to it, where it's it's as you get into the game, you start to realise that oh, this is this is really good. This is this is brilliant, and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And so as you get into the, like the very end, you're just like, this is one of the best things I've ever played. This is incredibly, incredibly good. And even after time passed, I talked about it with friends who really enjoyed it as well, that they had the exact same... Oh, sorry, the, the build sort of continues after you finished it because it's such a unique game and you left just to sort of ruminate on ideas from it. And as you talk and listen to other people's ideas about it, it just extends beyond it and it, it continues to be this unique game. And I think every generation kind of has something like this where it's just this idiosyncratic... Uh, unique thing and it could be you know it could be stuff like killer 7 it could be fahrenheit even but you have these sort of less than perfect games but that are just unique and stand out and do something you've never seen before and near is that it's um 
you know, it's it's obviously not perfect or anything, but it's it's just a, this unique, brilliant, brilliant game that I would put up there with something like Shadow of the Colossus or something in terms of how highly it should be regarded as as a game. It's something that should be talked about. While the gameplay is good and the gameplay holds it up, the existentialism and nihilism and, and the deconstruction of like what is the human condition, what's human nature, and it all sounds initially like it's going to be simple as well. What if robots could think? What if robots could feel? What if androids felt? But it's it's not. It goes it goes beyond that. I mean, it does touch on that, but it goes so far beyond that in terms of purpose and things. And I don't. It's the the frustrating thing talking about it on something like this is I could tell you moments from it that are you know there's 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 some um, I think it's called the three wise robots or something. There's there's just small little moments in that game, and there's something with the robot called Pascal. Uh, that I, I didn't see myself, but I heard someone else talk about just these things that are so deep and complex. Like there's a level of thought that's gone on beyond that. But if I were to say it, it's, it spoils it. It's like spoilers are, are things people are sort of kind of increasingly sensitive about. I know someone who got upset because he was told that um, was the bad guy in Mario. Like you've, the last boss is, and they didn't because they didn't want to know anything. And that's that's fine, but it's. Talking about near what makes near special, that last third of the game is it really is spoilers. It's stuff that you need to build to and, and see. It's, it's just it's so much more sort of complex and thought out and thoughtful than just about any other game I've played. I think it's it's a brilliant piece of work. Now we welcome Simon to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. My history with Guerrilla Games goes back as far as Shell Shock. And at the time, I think Guerrilla Games were new then. I vaguely remember playing it on, I think it were Xbox. It could have been PlayStation 2, but I think it were Xbox. It wasn't a particularly riveting game or anything like that, but it was one of the games I remember. The Killzone games, I thoroughly enjoyed, even though they're a bit pap. They've never been quite right, but I liked them for what they were. You've got to look. At the time, everyone wanted a Halo killer, and, and those games lent themselves to that sort of first-person shooter that everyone was trying to get a piece of pie from, so... Yeah. Was I looking forward to Horizon from the Killzone games? Not really. I mean, when you look at the differences between Killzone and Horizon Zero Dawn, there's barely anything there that they share, aside from being made by Guerrilla Games. So, no, not really. I think the thing that sold it for me was when I saw it at E3, when they had Aloy riding round and hacking stuff, and it's like, oh wow, this looks impressive, like, this looks next-gen. It genuinely looks like it's pushing hardware. And I sort of forgot about it after that. I'm not one of these people that buy games on release much now. I tend to wait and, you know, see what the accolades are like when people are talking about stuff, and, you know... I, t I tend to gauge my interest depending on whether people like it and the people that do like it as well, like, because sometimes things get overblown. It were a case of this game, though, being one of those games where just everyone, like, even the people that I saw uh, base my games around were like, yeah, this is good. Like, it's really, really good. So I waited. I saw it for cheap eventually. I think I got it for, like, £20-odd pounds or something like that a couple of weeks after it came out. First impressions... Yeah, really, really good. I think the presentation of how it works, how it gets you into the story, and, I don't know, like, familiarises you with how the stealth works and 
how how the mechanisms of the game work. Do you know by by making you play as a, a spoiler, you start as a child, and giving you these um, a basically tantamount to Witcher powers or the Batman Detective Vision knob, or whichever flavour of game you play, you always have that sort of overlay which does away with all the complicated bits of HUD. You, you just press it and it, it sort of, you know, it's there but it's it's context based so you press it and it, it sort of overlays and shows you where the things are. It does that really, really well. It does it superbly. It never forces loads and loads down your throat for you to learn but it, it just gives enough. Like, as a level of design, this game is it's really, really clever. Like, the people that have made this game and this is what makes it game of the year for me. The people that have made this game have played lots and lots and lots of games. Um, and when I say that, I mean, when, um, as a comparison, when Call of Duty 4 came out, it stole a lot of ideas from other games. So like the XP bar across the bottom, when you level up, it does like a guitar riff and stuff like that. And Horizon has all the hallmarks of different games mechanisms rolled into one. So, for instance, when you're out and about and you kill something, if it's just junk, you get like a white line. Like from Borderlands, you know, when you see a weapon, loot drops and you get the line. Or from Diablo or what... It's used in different games, but you get the idea. You get the white line, then you get the green line, and the, as the loot gets progressively better or more valuable, the, the colour-coded system goes up. And I think that's really, really nice. But it, it's not just that. There's a lot of other stuff as well. Like, it, it all feels intuitive. Like, you never feel like you have to read up on anything or, you know, study or examine anything. Because if you've played games, everything's so apparent and it's never condescending or um, like it don't feel like it's belittling you at any point. It just feels like everything is designed in such a manner that if you have any familiarity with games, then you will feel at home here. And as well, like it sort of hits a really, really nice middle ground with the combat and the adventuring or the open world stuff. So uh, you'll go to a, a vendor and he'll say, oh, I need X lens to get to you know your new weapon. And you'll start and you'll go out and you're like, oh, I'm looking for X monster. I'm looking for this X monster because I need like lenses off it or something or computer chips. And then you see it and it's like, holy shit, that's a big monster. I'm going to have to plan. So you, you have like a loadout. You might look into tying it down with a rope caster or setting traps so when it runs towards you it weakens itself with your damage over time or just in general like try to hit its weak spots off like say like it's got it might have a saw blade launcher on its shoulder and you might take that saw blade launcher out with arrows that just shear parts off instead of doing damage to the actual monster it just shears parts off so there's different ways of tackling objectives and it becomes more apparent when you start talking to other people and it's like oh I got to this boss how did you deal with it and they were like, oh yeah, basically I climbed up this area and I used my bombs. And then once I did that, I, I used my fire arrows or whatever. And it's like, oh right, well I snuck around the left hand side and just took everyone silently, you know, while they were patrolling. So you have all these different stories of people doing the exact same thing, but from different play perspectives. It supports people's play styles in ways that you wouldn't expect. And I think that's, um, that's a hard thing to do in an open world such as this, you know? 
I think it's also game of the year because this game is really robust. I try to break every game I play, rolling into corners, trying to glitch through stuff, doing unintended things that the game doesn't want you to do. Right, I could not find anything, apart from like bits of clipping and stuff like that, which are, are just like so commonplace in games that they're sort of ignored, it, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's a, it's a really, really solid game and that is why Horizon Zero Dawn is my game of the year. Thank you, Simon. Now it's the turn of Tom to wax lyrical on Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I didn't actually play the first Xenoblade Chronicles or Xenoblade Chronicles X. Only been into JRPG since uh, 2012 or so when I played Persona 4 Golden. I played very little of them, really, so I think that gives me a benefit in some ways because I can be much fresher and there's certain you know, stereotypes, tropes, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is probably the best JRPG I've played. Probably on my uh, favourite games of all time as well. I didn't know what to expect at all. The style of it looks quite intimidating. I saw some of the uh, Nintendo Treehouse Live E3 events. The battle system looked mad. I bought it because I put a lot in trust in Nintendo this year and they haven't really done me wrong like I do the switch and stuff so I thought well give it the benefit of a doubt even if I don't like it and I can sell it so I gave it a go and um, yeah I just absolutely adore it it's just crazy it's such, some of the games that I've played Persona 5 for example just take ages to get going the end of chapter I think it's chapter one something mad happens anyway at the end of chapter one it's like the end of most games and chapter and it's just just drives it forward and you just go on this Lord of the Rings type journey. You gather all these friends who are there to support, protect you and have banter with and you have all these like intricate relationships with you have intricate relationships with your blades which are kinda of like Pokemon. You have a bond with them and they, they protect you and from harm and, and some of them can like share your life force and, and things like that anyway. Um and, and you meet them along the way and it just, it just gives them all meaning and it's such a fantastic amount of characters you meet Nia is probably my favourite character she's this Gormotti which is like a uh, cat person all the Gormotti speak the Welsh accent and she's really sassy she, you know, doesn't take shit from anyone and she's just such a great personality and as the story goes through I mean I'm not going to give anything away but you go it's a bit like Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, that is the most I can equate it to. Um, you go to all these worlds, a lot of them are very different to one another and they're all they're not too big but they're big enough to fully explore and like, some of them are just, most of, all, most of them are just fantastic. You just want to explore them, the towns are huge and you just want to want to sink, in, sink your teeth into them but I think probably the best thing that creates this sense of place and sense of this uh, live and breathe and world is music. It's just every every region feels uh, unique, and largely thanks to music, it's just absolutely fantastic. It's probably one of the best soundtracks. I mean, after Cuphead this year, I didn't think I'd be experiencing a better soundtrack to be perfectly honest. But this might have eclipsed it in some ways. It's just absolutely fantastic. Chapter eight. I mean, it's quite late on. I'm not going to give anything away, but you, you arrive in this place and. And this fantastic violin concerto plays really melancholic and it goes perfectly with where you are 
and it's just, it's just absolutely phenomenal. There's another place that's like really ornate and like similar to uh, a religious site in, in real world, so like the Vatican, for example, it plays this sort of ornate choir like orchestral tracks and it just suits it so perfectly. It's probably one of the only uh, soundtracks that just exploring i'd be brought to tears like just just listen to it's crazy and uh going back to the story i'm obviously not giving any weight again but yeah i was crying within the first two hours and i probably cried about four to six times throughout and it's just it's just such a moving powerful story and so the characters are so well-rounded none of them at all seem one note or I mean, some of them can on the surface seem like tropes or stereotypes, but I promise you, once you reach the end, I don't think you'll think that. It's just such a fantastic world, how it all fits together, how the law of the world, the cloud sea, and these living, breathing titans, and it's just such a fantastic world. As I said, maybe I'll think more of it because I haven't played the original Zenblade or X, but this is my first Zenblade game. It's actually my, probably my first Monolith Soft game because I've not played any of the Xenosaga games at all. But it's just a phenomenal world to explore. That's what I love the most about games is worlds to explore, uh, story and characters to latch onto. That's the most important to me. Yeah, one of my biggest complaints about Persona 5 was the combat. Um, I just got so tired of it towards the end. But in this, I never got, well, I did get bored of the combat, but it was very short lived. And that's when I was doing a lot of grinding quite early on so it's just such a fantastic battle system it drip feeds you mechanics you go through you get tutorials it, all the way up to like hour 80 it's crazy i know that maybe some people off but it's it's just so much depth to it it keeps adding new mechanics and a lot of the fights are very fair they're probably just the right difficulty some of the boss fights are very are tough but then you there's kind of a knack to them like you have to either equip the right character the right blade or or deploy the right technique to be able to uh, defeat them. And obviously, there's a, there's a few times I struggled. I had to look things up because I don't really like JRPGs with hard or even challenging battle systems. I played Persona 4 Golden on very easy. I played Persona 5 on on safe, which is if basically just you want to just see the story. But this there was no difficulty, so I had to just just get what I given i did enjoy that that extra edge to it there was a few times i got frustrated sure and uh, there's a bit in chapter 10 again i'm not giving anything away but there's a bit in chapter 10 where you have to fight a boss fight on your own um, so just one usually have a party of three and you just on your own and that got very tedious and i had to really dig deep it's pretty tough and, and i got a bit frustrated with it ruining the flow that chapter a bit but it ended up redeeming itself so but overall it's it's just such a fantastic game. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't put it down. It's left way more of an impression on me than, you know, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, pretty much any other game this year. It's just, just left such an indelible impression. I can't really recommend it enough. It's just, uh, I couldn't, it's just leaps and bounds above everything else I've played this year. I really did not expect to be saying that at all. I don't know if people that don't like anime kind of tropes or JRPGs would like it but folks that like the god tier Japanese shit then yeah I'd say it's definitely worth a go you'll get a lot out of it so yeah my game of the year is Xenoblade Chronicles 2 thanks for that Tom finally we hear from Hendo for a few short words on the legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 
So I chose Zelda as my game of the year and it really was the only choice for this year. My history of Zelda is fairly limited to most people. I've only really loved The Wind Waker and A Link to the Past. Most of the others I just get bored with, to the point where I didn't even try the last one, uh, Skyward Sword. When the new Zelda came out, I avoided it, not because I didn't want to play it, but because I wasn't sure what point I'd get a Switch, so I didn't immediately buy the Wii U one. Instead, a mate bought it and completely fell in love with it. He ended up sending me WhatsApp messages about his progress and how I really should be playing this game. As soon as he finished it, he lent it to me, I dug in, and to be honest, I was really fucking frustrated with it. All I compare the feeling with is the beginning of pretty much every Souls game I've played. This is really unfair, I'm getting my ass kicked, I can't even progress to where I need to be, fuck this game. As it turns out, in hindsight, a lot of my frustrations were born out of my own incompetence. I actually walked straight past the very first treasure chests that give you better armour and would have made me stronger and not collapse in the snow. Somehow, I persevered and much like most open world games I've played, I started falling in love and getting hooked and getting the best gear I could, travelling to all the places I could and finding as many collectibles as my sanity would allow. It's difficult to know where to start with why I love Zelda so much. It really isn't anything like the previous games, they keep saying it year after year after year. Don't worry this one, we're going to mix up the formula, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but they really don't. And it's been the same pretty much since Ocarina of Time. This one is absolutely an open world game. When they said, oh, you know, look at that mountain, you can go over there and everyone scoffed at it. But it really is an amazing feeling when you just know I can use my little telescope thing. I can zoom in. I can see that thing. I can mark it on my map and I can just get there. There is something just amazing about the game that, to be honest, is really difficult to put into words. The only thing I can really ring true is this is how I know it's my game of the year. When you can't think about anything else other than playing a particular game, when while you're playing it you're just having so much fun and you're engaged in it, when all you want to do is talk to people about what you've been doing and what you've found, I found things that just completely blew me away that I had no idea about. I'd see something in the distance and go, what the fuck is that? And by the end of it, the, the things that I'm talking about were pretty normal because I grinded the hell out of whatever enemies there were. But when I first saw these things in the distance, I thought, that's fucking crazy. I don't think I saw that. What the hell was that? I'm going to keep this incredibly brief because, to be honest, I can't. I'm struggling to put into words of what it is that I love about the Zelda so much. I was literally just going to record the phrase, Game of the Year Zelda. And that was going to be it. I can say this. The best thing I can possibly put is why it's my game of the year. I got the Wii U version handed to me. I played it. I immediately bought my own version so I could give my friend's version back to him because I didn't feel bad. Now I have a Switch. I'm really tempted to buy it again. I'm not sure I would ever go through the entire thing like I did before. But I really want to play it through again. Because it's a really fucking amazing game. And if you like video games in any way, shape or form, if you haven't played Zelda, you're really doing something wrong. Thanks Hendo and thanks for listening. Let 2018 ring out with a motherfucking shotgun blast, brap brap.